Hello and welcome to the latest instalment of the Empire of the Cop podcast. Uh, we've got another entry from the Anfield Wrap, the very lovely Craig Hannon. Craig, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. No, our pleasure, our pleasure. And as usual, of course, we've got Peter Kenny-Jones and I'll be your host, uh, Farrell Keeling. Um, well, I'm just going to kick things off right off the bat again with the uh, Jurgen Klopp uh, documentary. Um, I mean, when we were last discussing it, uh, It was I think we were both sort of in awe of the level of work um, that, that had gone, gone into it. And obviously, you know, it, it's great to see that, you know, you lads have been really really sort of careful with it you know you don't want to just lump it all out at once you know it, it's a very yeah it's just a very sort of careful pro- a very loving process I, th- I think I think everyone can sort of summarize on it I just want to get your thoughts on what, what what's the latest on the documentary because obviously I think you've got parts one to three if I'm right in understanding currently out um, yep. and then a few more uh, to come we've got um so we released part one for free uh, and then parts two and three uh, went out behind the paywall. It went on the Anfield Drop app. We've got in March parts two and three going out for free on YouTube. Uh, it'll be, I think, it'll be the international break in March, um, and then parts four and five will also be released then as well. So, um, no, thanks for the kind words. Honestly, we're we're so excited about it. One of the when we were talking about doing the project a year ago, one of the things that we said from the off was that there's no cut corners, there's no Zoom calls, there's like this is to be done as if it's for Netflix. Like we, that's, that's how we treated it from the start. Um, and in the end, like the lads got like 35 interviews. Like we were, I think we were filmed across four countries and the scale of the project just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and the, the reaction to online has just been incredible. One of the things, one of the, I don't know if um, Neil spoke with this last time, but the premise of the documentary from the very beginning was, if Jurgen Klopp was going to produce a documentary about himself, how would he do it? He'd tell the, he'd tell the story of the people and places that help shape and mold them. And so we used that as like a value. We used that so that everything we did was with Jurgen Klopp in mind. You know, Erdinger was a, was a partner that we brought on for the project. And, he, and you know, he's a, a, an ambassador for Erdinger. Like even until every small detail about this documentary was making sure that it was something that we'd hoped that Jurgen might himself enjoy. Uh, and hopefully watch. And um, I, don't, I don't think I'm. Um, I think I'm allowed to say this. We we, we heard that Jurgen had watched it. We we got a really really nice message um, from him that he that he'd loved it. So that just like you know, as football fans, we can we can give all the reasons why we do something like this. Like you know, we wanted the main the main one really was to like sort of you know set a new benchmark for what fan led media can be sort of expected of um in terms of like filmmaking storytelling and and the marketing around it but really as liverpool fans the reason why you do something like this it became a love letter to Jurgen Klopp and so the reason why we did this was was so that um you know fingers crossed Jurgen would like it and we've heard he has so we, yeah we've got loads of plans for the um for the next parts uh, we've got a really really exciting interview so we'll have new faces on the on parts 4 and 5 um, just to like freshen up, you'll see some of the favourites from the first three. But um, you know, we've got we've got an. I can't. I'm not allowed to say who the interview is, but we've got an interview <laughs> with the Anfield Drap. The Anfield Drap have never interviewed before uh, properly and have been trying to get for five years. So that's all I'm saying. And oh, don't oh, guess because wow. don't guess. Shankly, hologram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't don't no guesses because I can't lie and then I'll give it away and I'm not lying. So yeah, we're really excited. We want to make sure that the four and five is like 
you know, that's the, well, episode four is about winning. And so it's all the enjoyable moments, the European Cup, the, the league, you know, winning the league with Dortmund, um, promotion with Mainz. It's all the, the historic moments. So, um, no, we're really excited about it. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, I'll just echo what Farrell said. Obviously, we both really enjoyed it. And obviously, speaking with you before, it's obviously it's clearly effort you put in. And we had um, we had Paul from Red Band TV on last week. And obviously, the stuff that they're doing as well, they've done like the debut stuff. It's just amazing to see like what fan culture can, can do now. Obviously, it just goes from, you know, Red All Over the Land are probably the first ones that we'll all remember. And it's gone from you handed a magazine out to now, as you say, making Netflix Netflix quality documentaries. It's great to see. So well done to you. And yeah, obviously we, we will go back to the Klopp documentary at the end, but while we're here, we may as well talk about Liverpool if, if that's okay. And it's not going great at the moment. We um, we drew with Chelsea. Obviously it was two clean sheets in two games. We're, we're sorting ourselves out at the back a bit. Hopefully the goals will start coming soon. But just if I can put you on the spot with quite a general question, just what do you think is maybe gone wrong or not going as well as it was last season, if, if I had to put it on you, sorry. Oh, what a question. Um, <laughs> Either that what... or tell us who the interviewers you pick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll answer this one. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's, it's, I think everyone can sort of see, and I, and I, I honestly feel this in the fan base as well, like you, within Anfield, I think you can feel it as well. There is a, there's definitely a hangover from what happened last season, whether that's a hangover from, you know, coming so close again, whether it's a hangover from the European Cup final, what happens on the pitch, what happens off the pitch in Paris. There's certainly a hangover. I think a lot of this, and I thought it was interesting, Thiago talked in the week about how this was a mental thing and not physical, that it's not the legs, it's, 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 it's in the head. And, you know, I mean, Pep Linder's book is, is cited a lot and I read it. And one of the things that um, really sort of like, one of the things I realized was a lot of what um, they did last year in terms of Liverpool clawing back that, um, you know, clomp City back down and it going to the last day of the season in the league was that they had a story to tell. There was like a narrative within the first team and it was like they had this mission is what they kept talking about and that this mission was what they were uh, that they were aiming for, that they had these cups that they were going after and they had this squad that they were, that was able to deal with going after these cups. But the mission was that, you know, as City were to drop points, Liverpool would gain points and gain and, and you could you really feel that in, in the book as it built and built and built towards the end of the season that that there was like a, a feeling that they were going to do it. And obviously they don't. And they win the two cups, but they don't get the two big shiny ones. And I, I honestly feel like off the back of what happened in eighteen nineteen, where they miss out, you know, off the back of, you know, just how many times Liverpool have put everything in uh, with with no margin for error and they've come close and not been able to do it. And so I think there's a hangover there. I think as well, like, I think what Liverpool have tried to do, the coaching staff, they've tried to transition. You know, you can see changes that were made at the beginning of the season were... You know, whether that was for Darwin Nunes coming in, you know, losing Mane, um, you know, you could see changes in the system that didn't really look like Liverpool. Like Salah was very wide. Um, the, the midfield changes were Elliot's been in there rather than sort of three workhorses. Um, and, and you can see that we've always said that it felt like Liverpool at their best. Every player was a cog in the machine. And when one cog was just out of line, you know, it didn't quite happen for them. And what we've seen this season is so many of the cogs, you know, are, are not working in tandem with each other. I think that's, I mean, I've gone on for quite a long time now. There, there is plenty of, there are plenty of other problems. We should have recruited in the summer. You know, we should have, we should have been, probably we should have been recruiting for midfield before that. And, you know, having this, you know, 
planning that that's not just contingency but is looking forward um you know that should have been done and instead we've relied on the same people that we've been relying on for season after season and it's maybe just got to the point where it's been one one sort of season too far for for a few of them i mean we're going to get to more of the specifics with re chelsea and the positional calls with the forward line um but i just want to go off something that you you said there because you mentioned a couple of very interesting things you also mentioned you know the hurt from 1819 the hurt from the prior season this liverpool squad you know has been labeled mentality monsters it has got to the top of the mountain on so many occasions we've we've you know we've not come away completely silverware less um but you know there's been a number of I suppose you call missed opportunities and you mentioned there the mental impact of that there. And I think, you know, you look at, you, you can make an argument for certain players and I go, right, you know, they're in their thirties, they're approaching, um, they're over the hill physically. Um, but you look at players like sort of Fabinho, he's under 30 and you think realistically, you know, he, you, you, your career should still be at a high. Um, but I, I suppose the question is when you look at players like that, players like Anderson, players like Fabinho, is it the case it's been one too many mountains to climb now? Are we are we ever, do you think, going to see the best, I suppose particularly from Fabinho, um, who still really should have the legs to function at a high level and in this Liverpool team, are we ever going to see his best again? Or have we reached a point, I know that's quite a loaded question, uh, <laughs> but how, how, <laughs> it's a lot, we're dumping a lot on you in this podcast. But uh, like, I suppose in your opinion, do, do you feel that it has been one too many mountains uh, for for these players and it is the case that we're not really going to see their best again in a Liverpool shirt I wouldn't say that we won't see the best again in the Liverpool shirt I think that you know I think I, I, I think there's a thing where um, Jurgen Klopp's best football teams have always been full of players that he's recruited who have still who still have it all to do and what I mean by that is he, he often signed players who he saw had a, a particular mentality. You know, we talked about, you know, signing captains, uh, uh, you know, Salah, Mane, captains of their country. You know, they have a, a country on their shoulders, the things that they'd, they'd done through their, their sort of childhood and, and their early adult life to become a footballer, the, the hurdles they've overcome in their own lives. You know, Andy Robertson, you know, the, there's all these stories of Liverpool players whenever they've recruited them saying that this is the kind of mentality that we want. But also the, the, there was also like a, a factor, the final factor of, of, of all of these players whenever we brought them in that they'd never, they'd not, they'd not really won much. Like they were, they were players who were hungry and who, you know, had it all ahead of themselves and who, you know, Salah had something to prove in the Premier League. And, you know, they all had something to prove. They all had something to win. You know, even the likes of Virgil van Dijk. Virgil van Dijk comes in at, what, 27? But he's really only won like a Scottish title or two in a cup. You know, that's, these aren't like, he hadn't done it on the big stage. He hadn't won the big things. And, um, and now we've got a team full of the players that have been there and done it. And I just wonder whether we... I mean, whether we've needed more reinforcements and more fresh faces and more, maybe for one of them to, to, to be sold and for us to bring in sort of a couple of, you know, much younger. I think one of the things, the problems Liverpool have at the moment is there's there's a big gap there in, in players who are in the age bracket of 22 to 28. Like there's very few of them. And the ones that we have are injured, Diaz and, and, and Jota. So I think that, I think all of this is a problem. In terms of a player like Fabinho and Fabinho not being, uh, or, or being finished and not being able to reach the level, I don't think that's the case. I think when, when 
um, systemically we're having the problems that we're having. It just it just brings out all of the the the, the negatives in each player, and it and it makes it much more difficult. Fabinho always had Wijnaldum and Henderson, but Henderson from three years ago in front of him. You know, he, he always had runners. He had Henderson. He was able to drop in at right back and help Trent when Trent uh, was bursting forward. He had legs around him, and I think if you had two players like that around Fabinho, it makes it a lot a lot more easy for him. I think when. At the moment, we're looking at our midfield and we're saying, right, Chelsea, well, we're happy that uh, Pacesic and, and, and Keita start again because of Wolves and we have to reset and we have to, and I thought that was the right, uh, that was the right decision. Um, but if we were to bring in Fabinho, then does Pacesic go ahead of him and then is it Keita? But Keita's like, you know, you know, Keita's a polarizing figure. He's not one that you can trust week in, week out. I think there's a lot of problems that they've left themselves to solve based on maybe poor planning over the past sort of 12 months. Yeah, well, obviously, there has been a lot of change in the team. I, just, I was saying to me, Dad, who were watching the match together, stood in the cop, and I said, if he'd have told us last year at this point that we'd have had a front three, which wouldn't have had Mane, wouldn't have had Diaz, would not come in, wouldn't have had Firmino, and we were quite happy to see it when Nunes came on, and it was Nunes, Gakpo, and Salah. It's just, it's mad the change that we've gotten. And again, you say, Pachetic is playing, he's 18 years old, and, and we're happy with it at the moment. It's just that it's such a shift in, in what's happened in, in less than a year, and it is. It's obviously just, it's strange to say, I don't think anyone really has the answers because we'll all agree that Jürgen Klopp knows more than most of our Anfield put together and he doesn't seem to be able to put his finger on what it is to sort at the moment. But obviously we all have faith he will. But you just touched on their injuries and I think the front three at the moment is is something that's quite interesting as well because we've seen Chamberlain fill in for the fact that obviously we've had Diaz, Jota and Firmino out. Obviously Nunes was out before that. We should also say Chamberlain, now he's playing Elliot as part of a front three, and Gakpo's played four games, two through the middle, two out wide. Nunes comes on, he's on the left, he's been playing through the middle. It's, it feels like he doesn't quite know where to put the newest players or where their best position is in the front three. So just maybe your thoughts on what we should do going forward. Obviously, we've got a couple of games against our old, our old mates, Brighton and Wolves, coming up again, and we just need to see what, what front three you think we should be playing and what you, maybe what you thought of Gakpo from the start as well. Yeah, it's it's the, the front line's really difficult because if um, say Arsenal, for instance, had the, the the injuries that we've had in the front line, or um, you Man- Manchester United, if they had that, you know, Rashford out, Rashford's been brilliant for them. If you had Rashford out, maybe one more. You know, if there's plenty of teams who, if they had lost the, the caliber of players that we've lost, would be you know probably in our position. Like I think Diogo Jota has just been a massive loss and isn't spoken about enough because I think that, you know, Liverpool at their best in terms of the front line, you know, 17, 18, 18, 19, 19, 20 was Firmino uh, in that sort of, um, that central role. But it's one of the things I've been doing when Liverpool have been so poor is going back on YouTube immediately after and watching old games like old, you know, against Roma and against City and just basically trying to see like the difference between now and then. And what you what you see is like Firmino dropping in when Liverpool are defending, they're defending from the front with the three, they're swarming. Uh, whenever it, 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 it gets passed and it's in the midfield area, you know, Firmino's dropping in, he almost becomes like another midfielder whenever Liverpool are defending. And the, the entire team looks so compact and that starts at the, the front and then it ends with a high line and, and with Alisson able to sort of command the area uh, behind that. And I think that's something that we've lost with this front line is that um, Firmino doesn't have the legs. He can't do that every week. Um, and he's not quite the calibre of player now. Now he's Firmino to be able to do that every single week. So Jota, Jota is probably the closest that we've got to him. And I think at different times this season against Man City before he gets injured, against Ajax, 
Um, these are the times when Liverpool have most looked like Liverpool, and it started with with Jota sort of hunting from the front. So I think he's been a massive a, a massive miss. Diaz as well. Like Diaz was lucky. He comes in last season into a team that is flourishing and, and is vibrant and exciting, and and you're able to drop him in here and there until he's ready to, to, to play and play and play. While Gakpo's come in and he's had this like disjointed football team around him that no one really looks as if they know what they're doing, and we don't really know what our identity is. So that's I feel a little bit sorry for Gakpo. I mean, he hasn't. I don't know what I was going to get from him, and he hasn't really shown. I, I think it's unfair to judge, is what I'm saying. Look, we've seen we've seen players take time to to adjust and and to get used to the system. How are you going to get used to a system that's changing every week and that uh, players around them who have been there for years seemingly are unsure about what they're doing? I think it's 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 a really difficult time to sort of ask Gakpo to, you know, right, you're going to be the one that sort of drags us. Um, and what was your other question? I've I forgot. I've forgotten. <laughs> well, just where you'd be putting Kakpo and Nunes at the moment? Maybe who's on the left, who's in the middle until we see the other three come back? Well, Nunes. I mean, like I've I've really liked the look of Nunes. I think that we can see he isn't scoring enough of his chances, and that's been a problem throughout Liverpool's teams. I think it's him and Salah are top of the list of the of the most uh, big chances um, missed, and 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 we see that we're seeing that every week. But I think. What he does and what he offers is, um, you know, this footballer that they're having to worry about that frees up some space for Sally. He's a footballer that, um, you know, likes to get into the space in behind. And so that means teams have to sit deeper. Like against Brighton a few weeks ago, you're watching Brighton and they're able to have this big high line because Gakpo's not running in behind him because that's not his game. So I'm, I'm excited to have Nunes back. I think the interesting thing about him is at times I've, I've felt that he has been at his best and his, and his most exciting and his most effective from the left. And so, uh, like, there's a there's a thing I'd love to see where I'd love to see more of Nunes in the left and maybe bring Salah inside so he's more central, so he's getting in those, uh, in those spaces. You know, maybe go with Elliot. Elliot looked really good on, on the right against Wolves. Obviously, it's Wolves. It's the cup. You know, we, we stick him left. We're sticking him centre midfield. It's not really his position. I'd like to see him in his real position. And then, and then you've got Gakpo to bring on. You've got, you know... you. you there's less onus on him to sort of like, you know, be that main man, be that central sort of figure up top because he, he you know, that isn't his position really. So, I mean, that's what I'd like to see over the next um, the next month or so. But I'm really, really excited for Diogo Jota to come back and obviously Diaz further further down the line. No, absolutely. I, I think, I mean, I think some some of the comments being made about Gakpo online, and it's, I think it's only three appearances, if I'm right on that, absolutely bizarre, you know, judging a, <laughs> um, on that amount of minutes. Um and, and as you mentioned, you know, it's a completely different context compared to the one that uh, Luis Diaz um, arrived in. Um, it, I hate having to bring this up. I mean, I mean, I only partially hate it because I think the discussion's interesting. Um, <laughs> but, you know, ob- <laughs> obviously we, we had Neil on last time and, you know, he, he wrote a, quite an interesting blog on the ownership and, you know, his, his opinion on the ownership and basically saying, you know, he doesn't really want to have to be thinking, let alone talking about the ownership. They should just be a distant figure that allows Liverpool to compete on the pitch. Um, quite interesting, of course, because I think, you know, as, as far as I'm aware, there's, there's differing opinions on that, even within uh, the Anfield Wrap. So it's always interesting as far as debate. Um, to what, I suppose my question is, to what extent... Do you feel that the ongoing uncertainty that we have behind the scenes, you know, to such an extent that we've seen key figures already announced the departing, Ian Graham's going, um, Julian Ward, who was just appointed sporting director, is going. So you've had key key staff already announced their intention to leave. So, so you know, turmoil behind the scenes, and then that's set against the backdrop of 
you know, will they, won't they sell? Will they sell in parts? Will they even sell at all? Uh, do we have to worry about a, a sale coming in the form of um, the dreaded Qatar um, petrostate investments and all the um, issues and trappings of obviously human rights violations, which no Liverpool fan wants to see, you know, in, you know, in complete contrast against the, the club and the city's values. <sighs> to what extent, and again, it's another, I apologise, it's a loaded question. To what extent <laughs> is all, all this, this difficulty behind the scenes, do you think? And is it at all having an impact on the pitch, on performance, on, uh, you mentioned the mental side earlier, is it having an impact on, on that? I, th- I think so. I think the thing that has been brilliant about Liverpool over the past four or five years has been there's been such certainty with everything that they've done. Even at times when, as fans, you're looking at it around, well, their transfer strategy, there's things that they've done at the time where I've just, I've not been in favour of. I remember uh, it would have been uh, 2017, the summer of 2017, you know, we're not going to sign Van Dijk. And so they're saying we're not going to sign a centre-back. And I was like, I can't believe they're going to go through the first half of the season without signing them. And so there's... Uh, but but what they were steadfast in what they were doing was they knew that, that in January they'd be able to get Van Dijk and they just needed to get through these three months. Selling Coutinho, I wasn't in favour of, but then they sell Coutinho, they buy Alisson. They're, they're able to... It opens up new opportunities. That's just the transfer strategy side. In terms of the business, like, you know, we... As fans, look, the only thing we see is from the outside and we see the the, the, the annual um, reports that the, the next one's coming out in a couple of weeks. It usually is in February, financial reports, and that'll be tasty because, you know, again, with the same with the, the Deloitte money uh, league thing that came out recently, it sparks a massive debate around whether the owners are spending enough money, whether they're not, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think they are, but... Um, I think I th- look, the, it's, it's gonna it's gonna sort of seep into to different as you know aspects of the club. I think if you ask the players, the players say now you know we're on the pitch, we don't worry about the, the the stuff that's going on behind the scenes, and maybe that's true. But I think you know certainly for Jurgen Klopp, if he's if he's seeing staff members leave um, when you know six months earlier they've been ni- announced in that role, well, you know I'm I'm starting to think well you know what's going on. We hear we've. We've, we've heard numerous sort of reports of, of medical staff leaving. Um, you know, obviously you've mentioned there Ian Graham and, and, um, and, and, and different people that are part of the, the club strategy on the pitch and then they're leaving. That, that breeds uncertainty and it breeds worry, um, certainly within the fan base. Um, so, yes, I think it does. I think it can affect it. In terms of the ownership, I mean, where, I, where I've always stood with the ownership is I'll never... I'll never love, I'll never like, I'll never thank an ownership. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, this idea that I've always thought of this idea that FSG have come in and see of Liverpool is, is, is sort of bollocks in that like, you know, they are, um, you know, they're, they're investors, they're, they're businessmen. They're coming in, they've looked at, they've looked at this thing that has, you know, uh, high potential value uh, and is costing them very little at the time. And they're, and they're looking at the growth opportunities. They're looking at the experience that they've got and they're thinking, how can I make more money in, in, in five years and 10 years? And if they sell, that's what they're about to do. So this idea that, you know, if someone buys FSG, I'm not going, oh, thanks very much for the past five, six years. Thanks for this. Thanks for that. I'm just not doing that. That's not, you know, it's, it's Jurgen Klopp that has done a lot of this. But what has been brilliant is that in the background, Liverpool have been run really well. Um, Look, at times I've wanted more money spent, and I think my argument has always been: as long as Jurgen Klopp seems happy with it, as long as Jurgen, it's in line with what Jurgen Klopp is wanting to do, and Liverpool are winning, then I can 
then I'm then I'm happy. I'm not gonna like the, the summer that they don't sign anyone. Well, the summer the summer of 2019 after we won the European Cup and we all think you know you know buy from a position of strength and all of this. I think they signed Harvey Elliott and, and Van der Berg or whatever. They win the league the following season. So there's there's not one part of me that's thinking, oh, we should have signed someone then because if you sign someone and they're brought on in that that game against Villa when it's when it's won the Liverpool and maybe they're brought on for Sadio Mane and maybe they don't win it or you know if something if something like that happens that that. You know, there's a butterfly effect here that affects everything else that's happened after it. Same with the, the the pandemic season was the pandemic season. It was mad, but there's still, you know, we're talking about mentality. Liverpool found the mentality to, you know, my God, it took goalkeeper scoring in the last minute, but they found, you know, they found a way to get themselves set up in the best possible position for the following season. You know, I think, I think with the, I just, I think with the ownership, I am often better the devil, you know. And I think that when Liverpool are being run in a way that they're run, I'm really, I, I'm, I'm happy with that part. I'm just, I'm a bit concerned that this ownership don't seem to, you know, if they're going to sell the club for four billion and they bought it for a tenth of that or whatever it is, um, you know, there's real opportunities there if they really cared, if they really wanted to, you know, Liverpool to to um you know progress with this manager while we've got this manager then there's real opportunities there to to spend a little bit of their own money but they've never done that it's never been part of their model you know they've never taken money out of the club you know either that's that's um that's part of it and the final thing i'd say on that is that they're trying to sell they they've, they're acknowledging that they've maybe got liverpool to the to the to the the, the highest part part that they possibly can get it to and so they're trying to sell um yeah, there's a lot to talk. About. I could I could continue all day on that. I could talk about the protests that are having, you know, that, that are were meant to happen at the weekend. You know, there's, there's just so much in within the ownership question that it's just there's just so much to sort of on, you know, to, to talk about within it. Oh, there's so much to unpack. Isn't there? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we had um, we had the Boston Red Sox and the Pittsburgh Penguins fan on the other day. Obviously, we all share the same owners. And as critical as you were then of John Henry and FSG, I can assure you the Boston Red Sox fan was a little bit more critical. So, um, <laughs> I think he's quite universally of the, held in the same opinion by most of the clubs that he owns. So, it's a it's certainly an interesting one. But obviously, that's not just to plug us. But just I think, as you said, he has the way he runs a club and. It's worked for us. It's just when it's when it's not working as well as it does, and where we are now, you start looking at things, don't you? And I think as Fraddle touched on, the stuff behind the scenes is is probably the most odd, and that people are talking the least about. Like we went months without a like a club doctor, and we don't know what's going on with the recruitment. I've just done an article then on the loan system. We had nineteen players sent out this in the summer, and forty percent of them are already back at the club. So it's like who's in charge of the recruitment now? It just it all seems to be going. A bit strange, doesn't it? But yes, as you say, we, there's a lot, a lot of subjects we can spend a lot of time on. So, Ali, uh, before we go back to the Jürgen documentary, I maybe put you on the spot again one last time. Um, how do you think the season's going to end? You touched on goal scoring goalkeepers before, and we found a way and the mental, mentality monsters. How far can we go this season? Champions League, Premier League, what's going to happen? The most the most worrying thing about all of this is I, I don't know. Like usually I'd be saying, well, this is Liverpool, and there's always that possibility of winning the European Cup. I think they're just it looks as if that we just look like a shade of what we've been in the past uh, and what potentially we're trying to be, and that's that's the the most worrying thing for me. I think I think you know that season, uh, the pandemic season. You know there were there were key reasons why that was happening, and that was defensive injuries, and 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 you could you, you know there was a story you could tell yourself right. Well, when we get the Van Dyke back, and when we get Gomez and Mata back, it'll improve. I think I think this 
this season, you know, maybe the, the Jada, the Diaz thing, but then, you know, there's problems in midfield. I'd love Liverpool to buy a, a, a midfielder. I would absolutely love the, 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 the football club to give themselves the best possible chance to try and give everyone a lift. You know, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Liverpool draw against Brighton uh, just because there's another there's another cup replay. We're almost certainly going to have another cup replay, uh, and Jurgen Klopp won't like it at all. I, I think my, we might win the FA Cup if we if we go through. I know it sounds like a mad thing. I just think we might do it. It might be one of these things that just feels like I was at the Wolves game and it just felt I really enjoyed it because it felt like something different. I was watching new fellas that hadn't burnt my head out for the past few weeks. You know, I was watching a team in a cup with like you know proper jeopardy and. Um, and maybe something like that, maybe a cup like that might save the season. My God, I'd do anything for a, for a, a run in the European Cup. I'd do anything to, to win at the Bernabeu. I'd do anything to knock them out after the, the European Cup final. But um, yeah, it's a little bit more pessimism than there usually would be at, at this stage. But we've never uh, we've never retained the FA Cup, so yeah, uh, and Klopp likes making history. So why not? That can be this season's <laughs> job ticked, and then next year we'll just win it all again instead. Well, for now, I mean, Madrid seems um, a daunting prospect uh, right now, but we, but, uh, <laughs> we, we won't go into, into that uh, into that too much. Just to wrap things up, of course, um, you mentioned about episode four, you mentioned about a mysterious um, interview coming up. We won't press you uh, further on the identity of that individual uh, that we'd sorely love to. Um, could you just tell us, I suppose, what 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 can we what can we broadly expect? Uh, for episode four and going for, forward, and any sort of final thoughts um, on the documentary? I think what if, if you've watched episodes one, two, and three, or even just one, I think what you can see is it's um, it's stories by people that you have never seen before, you've never heard from before. It's it's stories of people who have you know were his friends or you know his teammates or his coaches. You know they're these are stories that people haven't told and, and have never been asked to tell. And that's the, that was the most exciting thing at the beginning when, you know, Fuad and the, and the team were going through and looking for new people to speak to. They were constantly finding another new person in Germany to speak to at Mainz or, you know, at one of his clubs in Frankfurt whenever he was a, a semi-professional footballer. So expect more stories you've never heard. Uh, expect more stories that tell a bit, give you a bit of a, a more of an insight into Jurgen Klopp, the person. Um, throughout different times of his career, I think there's like a there's, there's there's a couple of really really good stories that just will make you laugh, but you you know you wouldn't expect anything different from you know about Jurgen Klopp, um, and and yeah, expect some bigger names as well uh, in the in the last two parts because as I said, it's about um, you know it's about winning things, it's about winning uh, you know a European Cup with Liverpool, it's about winning the, the the Premier League, it's about a historic season last season, so. Um, you know, you need some um, faces and, and voices from from during that time as well. So we'll, there'll, there'll be a bit of that. But um, yeah, look, we've we're, we're really really happy with how it sort of um, finished off. We wanted to, as I say, we wanted to sort of um, you know set a new benchmark. You know, you mentioned the, the you know other fan media channels and and, and likes of yourselves. Like, I think one of the things that I've always been like really really proud of is that Liverpool sort of. Um, Liverpool, Liverpool football clubs, um, fan culture and, and sort of identity within the the online world or within the fan media world or whatever has always been really really strong. There's always been like you know brilliant um, content out there, and that only just makes the, the 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 others. If someone does something, then like I know from the Anfield Drops point of view, we want to go and do something bigger and better. And so you know we've. We've we've aimed for this to be like the best it possibly could be, as I said earlier, and and I think 
people will really enjoy it. Episode three was just my absolute favorite. Like, it was, I, I just thought it was incredible. Um, and episode four and five will be all the fun bits. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be brilliant. Fantastic stuff. A love letter uh, to Jurgen Klopp. And the main man himself has seen the documentary, which is, you know, I mean, has to be an incredibly proud moment um, for the team and entirely, entirely well-deserved. Um, so we'll be very much looking forward uh, to seeing uh, these episodes when they come out. As you mentioned, I believe um, episodes two and three will be uh, coming free, available on YouTube um, in the near future. Um, yep. So I'm sure everyone will be keeping uh, their eyes on that if they haven't already seen the episodes. Um, and episode four then following. Uh, this has been the Empire of the Cop podcast. Uh, we've had the Anfield Raps Craig Hannon on board today. Peace of Kenny Jones as usual, of course. And myself, Farrell Keeling. Uh, stay tuned for more and take care. <laughs>